0: Welcome to Strictly Personal, the podcast. I'm John Paul Batham, your host. Today's show is kicking off the Strictly Personal Maple Leaf edition. The National Hockey League 21-22 season is about to get underway, and with fans back in the arenas and the divisional lineups back to the way they were pre-COVID, there's lots to talk about. That being said, we will continue to bring you the good conversations with all of our guests and some of the historic clips of the Hall of Fame broadcaster, John Batham. All of the commentary is strictly personal, and with all of that, let's get started. My guests today are Joe Felice and Jody Zidor. Both of them are long-time Leaf enthusiasts, and we're going to find out why. But before we do, let's listen in on John Battam.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. John Battam, CFTR Sports, Toronto and baseball. Well, in answer to numerous calls, let's try and review the muddled baseball situation because the Toronto people are in Phoenix and they are waiting for the owners to vote. But the Canadian group may not be allowed to even discuss its bid to move the Giants to Toronto. Labatt Prairie President Don McDougall said in Phoenix this afternoon... A temporary restraining order obtained by the city of San Francisco may prevent the league from even hearing the bid for approval to buy and move the club. And Lawyers for the city and for the present owners are meeting in an effort to clarify terms of this restraining order. Metro Chairman Paul Godfrey has said that Walter O'Malley of the Dodgers was in favor of the Giants' move to Toronto. I suggested on the weekend that following a New York report, that might not be the case. Well, O'Malley said this afternoon he denies support of the move, and he adds, Paul Godfrey must have been politically motivated to make an untrue statement about my alleged commitment to Toronto. So where does O'Malley and the Dodger vote stand? It doesn't sound all that favorable, does it? Toronto needs nine of 11 votes if it comes to that. What about this reported last-minute new offer? Godfrey can't quite understand it.
2: Well, I find that uh, a little amazing that uh, Mr. Lurie, who was uh, a director of the San Francisco Giants, who knew the team was in trouble for two years now, all of a sudden uh, gets uh, sort of a a loyalistic feeling to the city of San Francisco when he sat back and uh, made public statements and said that the uh, team is not worth...
1: Uh, anything or not worth the price that Mr. Stonem wanted. It may or it may not come down to a head tomorrow. I just hope Toronto has not been led down the garden path and instead of wild elation, a tremendous letdown. Frankly, I somehow feel rather pessimistic.
0: That broadcast was in 1976, and as we now know, the Toronto, the city of Toronto, did go on to get a baseball franchise Uh, with the help of Paul Godfrey and the Labatt's Breweries. And the Labatt's Breweries uh, brand the Labatt's Blue. Uh, They wanted to make sure that the word blue was in the uh, name of the team, and that's the name, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, We've had a terrific baseball season, and unfortunately the Blue Jays fell short by one game. So uh, that leaves us really teased for next year, and hopefully they will uh, make the playoffs next year. But, hey, we're moving on to hockey, so let's talk hockey I've got some guests coming on we're going to talk about what are the Maple Leafs going to do in the 21-22 season have we got both of you on the line yet
3: yeah I'm here Cody's here (laughs) Joe Felice how the hell are you (laughs) good Joey how you doing
2: good man (laughs) good I'm better now I don't know about you but somebody on this line and I won't say who it is Joe but somebody yesterday gave me like you know, nine minutes to prepare for this thing.
3: And like, come on. Yeah, well I had another guy I had another guy give me eleven minutes. How the hell did you get more time to prepare than I did? <laughs> Because I because I because I called him rather than him calling me. Yeah,
0: there you go. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, uh.
3: But anyway, we're ready now.
0: Well, you okay. know, I was just going to say we're, we wanted to talk today a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, I look back and I go, oh, my God, it's going to be 55 years if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year. Um, it's a it's a storied franchise. It's worth over one point five billion dollars. And uh, we look around. It's got a, a fan base globally. Uh, a huge brand, uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and uh, I look around comparing it uh, often to other sports franchises, and I just go, "Wow, we uh, we deserve much more." And I get a lot. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I know I'm not alone, but I get frustrated with this. I go back to when I was. I'm I'm from the '60s. And when I when Saturday night happened, I would be in front of the TV on the old black and white TV along with my family and relatives. We'd all be watching Hockey Night in Canada. So that's why I have such passion for NHL hockey and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And of course, I, remember, I do remember the 1967 Stanley Cup, but like I was too young to really celebrate it. But I certainly wanted to do that as an adult and haven't been able to. So I'll, I'll start there. I'll go, that's my, my uh, little background on the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, my little rant. But I was wanting to ask you guys, because I know all three of us are passionate about the Leafs. But I wanted to ask, like, why are you guys passionate? Like, what's your story behind the Leafs? And what's your biggest disappointment as a fan? And maybe what is your most celebrated moment as a fan? And maybe I'll just ask Joe, why don't you go ahead?
3: Well, I mean, I can't remember ever not being a Leafs fan. And uh, so just like you, Paul, just growing up watching Hockey Night in Canada with the family around the TV, um, I can honestly say, though, I, and, and you use the word, you know, the celebrated aspect of the 67 Cup. I don't remember it either, you know, and I don't know whether I had to go to bed, you know, after the first period or the second period, but I certainly remember being a Leaf fan forever. But uh, my, my biggest celebrated moment can't really be that 67 Cup because, quite honestly, I don't remember it. Um, but I'll start with uh, the biggest disappointment, and you'll like this one, Paul, but it's got to be the 93 playoffs the Kerry Fraser call and the missed high stick, uh, Wayne Gretzky's missed high stick on Doug Gilmore and how that all ended up. And uh, it would have allowed us to have seen the Habs and the Leafs, you know, in a Stanley Cup final, which uh, which we missed. So that that would be my biggest disappointment. Very, very frustrating. Talked about it for years and years and years and, and still talking about it now. Um, my most celebrated moment, I got to say that it's probably... You know, 2016, the drafting of Dawson Matthews. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's uh, it's the one that came to mind. And, and, you know, he followed that up with his first game of the season, scoring four goals against uh, the Ottawa Sens. And unfortunately, they lost the game 5-4 in overtime. And I think as the hockey gods kind of go... You know, funnily enough, it was Kyle Terrace that scored the winning goal. And uh, when Matthews was growing up, it was probably he was probably a fan of Kyle Terrace because he was playing with the uh, the Coyotes at that time. So, th- so that's my biggest disappointment is the Kerry Fraser call and and being eliminated from the '93 playoffs. And Austin Matthews uh, being drafted is probably my most celebrated.
2: So, Jody,
0: what do you what comes to mind when you think of the Leafs?
2: Yeah, and you know what, I think like all of us here on this on this on this podcast, Paul, I myself, born and raised here in the Toronto area, born and raised in southern Etobicoke, I think one of the first hockey paraphernalia PJ's pajamas I had probably had a leaf logo on it somewhere. So, you know, I've been entrenched in Kind of Toronto Maple Leaf logo, where you know right from the onset. And being a kid growing up in South Etobicoke, you got to support the home team. So, I think in one arm I bleed blue, and in the other arm I don't know what color it is, but you know the Leafs have been uh, have been a fixture around my household, at least as a kid growing up. And you know, in terms of your questions earlier around you know most celebrated. Albeit, Joe commented that year, 92-93, may have been one of his disappointments. You know, one of my most celebrated moments came within that playoff run when Doug Gilmore was, was, was you know, at the pinnacle of his career when he scored that behind-the-net goal on Cujo, and Curtis Joseph, and the St. Louis Blues to take what I think was game one in overtime back in the 92-93 playoffs. You know, his goal was full of grit, determination. It was a Gretzky-type goal. The gardens erupted. The city went crazy. And all that was at around an era in a time, too, when Doug Gilmore was, you know, I think on a the eating craze, if I remember correctly, where he was all over the press and the media in terms of answering questions about how he was being fueled for every game. So, you know, that to me, I know, was kind of pretty exciting. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty monumental and momentous. In terms of a disappointment, I got to look at last year. I got to look at you know uh, yeah, last year. Last year when we went up three games to one, I think it was the first round against the Canadians. Um, you know, and we ended up losing four games to three. For yeah. any team, the thought of being up three games to one and then losing three games straight to me just speaks to a colossal failure and a collapse. Um, you know, one that the Leafs and Leafs management, you know, quite candidly should be ashamed of. And then, of course, Montreal went on to win, uh, you know, round two against Winnipeg. Round three, I think, was against Vegas. And then they played Tampa Bay in the uh, in the Cup Final, only to lose four games to one. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, the wound is still a little fresh. Uh, I think, again, regardless of who the team is, but for the Leafs to, you know... Uh, go up three games to one, and ended up losing a set four games to three. Just speaks to a colossal, a colossal failure and a collapse. And I hope that they've done a lot of internalizing to, you know, determine what they've done wrong and, and what they're going to do to fix things going forward this year.
0: Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would agree with both of you. Really, I mean, the the '83 season, uh, uh, sorry, the '93 season was uh, both disappointing and exciting because it was the Leafs got to a level that we hadn't seen ever uh, that i can recall and uh, looked like looked very promising and then we had the big disappointment with the gretzky call and or non-call uh, and my excitement uh, when matthews was uh, was was drafted was uh, probably one of the most memorable certainly what comes to mind uh, as well so i would agree with uh, with both of your your thoughts on those things i think one of my biggest disappointments still though was uh, when uh, Reimer lost uh, the game seven when they had Reimer in it they lost game seven in overtime to the Boston Bruins and it's been kind of uh, been that way for a while now we just keep getting the disappointment in the playoffs and so like Jody said I mean uh, this coming off this past season and um, you know what are they doing so let's start with the management Uh, we've got you know I guess Brendan Shanahan's been there for a while now and he's a Certainly has the pedigree in terms of what Leaf fans would like to see. This is my view, I guess. You know, the guy was a tough hockey player. He had the ability to score. He had all the attributes on the ice. I'm not so sure on the business side of it what he really brought to the table, but they seem to have given him the uh, the keys to the Golden Palace here. And uh, so we're hoping that he would have brought us to the promised land, certainly by now, but uh, he's still got somebody convinced that he can still deliver on this. But he's made some interesting moves, uh, bringing in uh, Sheldon Keefe as a coach and certainly uh, Kyle Dubas as the general manager. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Maybe, Joe, what do you think?
3: Well, I I, I think... First of all, the first thing that came to mind for me, or comes to mind for me, is you, you got to marvel at a young guy like Kyle Dubas getting the job. You know, and uh, I mean, who wouldn't want that job? And so you, you, you got to appreciate that, you got to applaud that. But it came at a time when they they let Lou Lamorello go and Mark Hunter go, or Mark Hunter exited soon afterwards. But yeah. Lou Amarello for sure, and to have a young guy, as, as impressive as it is for him to, to be in a position to get that spot, I think that Shanahan made a huge error, and I still believe that today, that he made a huge error in letting Lou Lamarello go, and, uh, you know, um, my gosh, you know, I was looking at uh, some of the previews before the season starts tonight, and, you know, a few of the uh, the analysts that uh, had been asked about the upcoming season, a few of them have picked the Islanders to win the Cup. It's you not know, something. certainly to, to win the conference, but a few of them went on to, to say the Islanders are going to win the Cup. So you know, I guess uh, I, I, you know, like I said, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, with regards to Shanahan, you know, not unlike, not unlike uh, Dubas, I mean, Shanahan's really learning on the job, or has been learning on the job. I mean, you know, I'm thinking back, how the heck did he get that job? He'd never, he'd never been in the management uh, ranks of any other NHL team. And, you know, everybody likes to, uh, to boo Gary Bettman. And I think we can possibly send him a big boo because I think Shanahan was working at the NHL offices. And I think he had a big influence of Shanahan being hired.
0: Interesting. Yeah, you, you know, you wonder. Uh, I, I... You know, I, I like Brendan Shanahan. Always was a fan, and uh, so I think uh, maybe uh, and a lot of us I think are, or have been uh, Shanahan fans, and maybe we cut him a lot of slack because of that. I, I I'm tending to think that now because I just was really a uh, um, a lot more optimistic when he first went in there, and and now I'm uh, you know I, I'm not uh, you know I'm still I think it, I'm still holding out that these guys may uh, yet deliver something, but uh, I'm not totally giving up hope. But uh, I'm questioning, like you said, some of the some of the moves. Moving Lou out was uh, very odd to me. It was very strange for a guy that had demonstrated so much success, and then wow, he goes over to the Islanders and just basically sticks it to us by, you know, in no time at all, the Islanders are are doing better than than the Leafs. So. For sure,
3: I, I I gotta I gotta believe that had Lou Mar- Lou Amarillo stuck around, we still would have signed Tavares, and we still would have signed Marner. But they would have been nowhere near at the salaries that they're
0: at now. Exactly, exactly. And that I mean, and you, yeah, exactly. I think there, and the right there is where you show where the win would have been by keeping Lou. He would have got them signed, and he would have got them at a lower price. And right away, you're you're in a better position. Uh, it does look to me like Dubis really uh, doesn't uh, negotiate too tough on the. Uh, he's like, what do you need? What do you need? How much you want? <laughs> it seems pretty loose. What do you think, Jody?
2: Yeah, you know what, I think that we're all going to be on the same page here in terms of kind of my commentary And to, you know, your comments a few minutes ago, Paul, with the, with the Brendan Shanahan news, I agree. Um, you know what, or at least the news when he was hired into the role, uh, you know, certainly demonstrated success on the ice. Won a couple Stanley Cups, paid for Team Canada, and I think more than one or more than several locations, had a long-storied career. You know, the other thing that I would add is being a local memical boy growing up in South Etobicoke, um, you know, there was obviously, I think, a local boy done good local boy done well type of flavor to um you know to yeah. appointing him to that role the thing that i've struggled with is you know the leafs have spoken of the importance of having experience both on the bench on the ice and you know over the last couple of years you take a look at some of the veterans they've had around in terms of you know last year certainly uh, joe thornton uh you know jason spezza i understand the importance of 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 age and experience on the ice however I don't think we're seeing that in Dubas. Um, I'm not sure whether Dubas has even played a professional game. I'm not sure of how far he went as a player. I know he comes out of the Sault Ste. Marie organization. But I guess I'm really struggling to see uh, you know, how some of these players uh, who are not much younger than him in age would struggle to have the faith and confidence in some of the decisions that he has made as a 35-year-old manager with minimal experience in the NHL. He's up against some very tough company with the likes of, you know, you've mentioned Lamarillo at the Islanders. You take a look at Joe Sackett with Colorado, a storied, you know, career that he has Steve Iserman at Detroit, many, many years of success playing there at a professional level. And, you know, I think recently Julianne Breeze with the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, all these are what I would call very seasoned tenure veterans um, you know, at the GM level, and you take a look at the Toronto Maple Leafs 54, well, 55 years plus in terms of yeah. you know not having won a cup, but. But yet we appoint somebody with you know minimal experience, if any, at the GM level a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, I and I struggle with that, and I have struggled with that. I look at uh, you know I don't I think he was uh, uh, maybe a, uh, he was more a little more than a stick boy with the with the Sioux, and um, you know has no playing resume. His resume was that he helped uh, with some of the personnel in the uh, thing.
3: Yeah, and his his father was the general manager of the Sioux, and so he grew up.
0: So he grew up, you know, with it, yeah.
3: He grew up around that club, but, and he was the stick boy, and he used to pick up the sweaters and, you know, yeah, but, but, and but Joe like but,
2: On the occasional Saturday night, he would he would run the 50-50 draw on the arena, too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. But, for that. But,
0: but ask yourself, if this is, this, this is his pedigree, and now he's having to try and uh, orchestrate a trade or a deal with one of these other general managers like Jody says, these guys don't respect him. Come on. They're probably going okay. Yeah, you know. All right, you know. I just think that that's that's working against this. I don't see how. I he... agree
2: 100. anyway 100.
0: We don't know what goes on behind the closed doors, but I mean, you'd have to look at it and, and wonder why, because there was deals to be had at the trade deadline last year, and he had to pay top dollar for felino and I mean, it, it, it just you know it makes it begs the question. So we want to keep moving on here. I want to try and get uh, through the, the entire roster, but uh, certainly the general manager, the coaching staff, um, we've got Sheldon Keefe. I think we know a little bit about his past, but um, he has had a pedigree of success winning championships as a coach um, and certainly didn't hurt him when he won with the Marlies. That uh, certainly looked uh, quite good. I mean, I was encouraged when he first came in. I thought, okay, this guy's a winner wherever he's gone. Um but um, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I, I, I probably shared the same optimism that... Uh that you had when he was hired. I wasn't a huge Babcock fan, not at all, actually. And, uh, you know, I wrote a couple articles uh, in the past about Babcock, and and if anyone was to read them again, um, you know, everybody would know that I'm not a big – I wasn't a big Babcock fan. Kind of saw a parallel, as you suggested, Paul, being a winner at every level. You know, I kind of saw that John Cooper – Kind of uh, uh, okay. parallel, but uh, you know, I think the jury's still out. Uh, unfortunately, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs jury that's that's still out, and we're the we the fans of the of the Leafs. And you know, um, what have you done for me lately? And uh, going back to Jody's disappointment, what you've done for me lately is you've lost a three one lead uh, in the first round of the playoffs and lost to uh, you know to our probably our biggest rival to have so. You know um, the jury's still out he's got a lot to prove uh you know I, I hope he does well and i hope he can motivate these guys to uh to embrace uh, the things that he wants them to embrace and what he feels are the ingredients of uh, of a cup winner
0: yeah uh we you know we we saw some strange uh, things happen in in the net last year with anderson and then bringing in campbell and uh, Anderson getting hurt, and then Campbell having such amazing success. He actually, uh, I think, set the record for the number of wins—eleven uh, or, or so straight. Um, you know, now we've lost Anderson uh, for virtually a, a swap with Carolina, and we brought in Peter Mrazek. What are your thoughts on what's happening in that? I mean, the net is a, a crucial, a crucial area for a team to try and get to the Stanley Cup.
3: Well let, let Cody go first on this one and then I'll then I'll pick it up from there. Cody, we've what are your seen, thoughts on that? Yeah, so you know
2: what, Paul and, and Joe, I'd say that as Leaf fans, you know, we we've we've quickly become we've seen goalies that I think have really quickly become fam favorites over the years. You yeah. take a look at Reimer, uh, you know, we've seen goalies whose tenures have went both in terms of fan appreciation relatively quickly, such as Reimer, um, you know, Jonathan Bernier, um, and even the likes of Frederick Anderson, who, you know, is no longer with this team. Um, you know, with Anderson moving on after five seasons, I think the Leafs' depth chart between the top. Between the pipes has seen a bit of a shift. I like Jack Campbell. I like what he did last year, how he came in, what he did it, how he did it. The 11-12-13 game win you spoke to a couple minutes ago, or at least to the win streak. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Um, I really like him. It, 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 it may be far too early to say, but this, you know, the trade to acquire Campbell from LA in February, I think of last year, may end up being one of Kyle Dubas' best trades that he's made in his tenure so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, Campbell uh, is a likable guy uh, on and off the ice. I I like what he does in the net. Uh, He competes. Like, he really shows he competes, and I know that uh – you can't always go by that because if you look at Carey Price, he's he's so still and quiet in the net. You wonder whether he really is competing, but he comes up with yeah. the saves. And Anderson was a bit like that, but I really like the compete level that I see out of Campbell. He hates losing, and he gets maybe a little too emotional about it. But uh, I like what I see there, Mrazek. I've got I think the the school's out for for whether he's going to be the guy that they they think he's going to be, but uh, every all indications are they think he's going to be something special. But you know what? We'll wait and see. Uh what do you well, think, Joe?
3: Yeah, I, I, I like Murassic. I, when 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 you look back at last year, he was the starting goaltender, first game of the season, starting goaltender for the Hurricanes. And uh he just happened to to get an injury early on and only ended up playing twelve games. But uh but you know, just like uh uh Jack Campbell's getting the nod to uh to be a starter for the first game tomorrow night. Um, you know, Marasco had that honor uh, last year with the Hurricanes. But I, but something that I found interesting uh, about the tandem situation, and and you know, history has a way of repeating itself. And as I was watching the Leafs documentary, one of the comments was made uh, that the any time the Leafs and the Habs had been had seen each other in the playoffs. Whoever won the series ended up being in the Stanley Cup final, and that repeated itself last year. Well, one of, the, one of the things that when you go back in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs and their goaltending, if you look at the 62-63 Leafs who won the Stanley Cup in 63, that was a goaltending tandem. Johnny Bauer and a gentleman by the name of Don Simmons. They, mm. they split. It wasn't an even split. Bauer played 42 games. Simmons played 28 games. The next season, 63, 64, and 64, the Leafs won the Cup. Johnny Bauer and Don Simmons again. They both split games. Um, And then you fast forward just a a few more years to the 67 Cup that we were talking about. And in that particular year, they had Bauer, Sawchuck, and Bruce Gamble, Terry Sawchuck, Johnny Bauer and Bruce Gamble. They, Johnny Bauer played 27 games. Terry Sawchuk played 28 games. Bruce Gamble played 23 games. So I'm optimistic that his, his, history is going to repeat itself. I think Morassic and Jack Campbell are going to have a pretty even split of the games this year. And I think it's going to take them to the playoffs, t- take them to winning a first round and taking them further, possibly conference final and Stanley Cup final.
0: Wow, I love the optimism, Joe. That's fantastic. I mean, I... I don't necessarily share that. I'm kind of sort of a wait and see. Uh, I saw, I watched Morazic play when he was in Detroit, not so much Carolina, but I was not impressed with with, uh, how he played in Detroit, but that could have been, uh, you know, based on the defense that he had in front of him. And so speaking of that, uh, we look at the Leafs defense, and that's been something that I have literally been screaming about for the last, I don't know how many years, saying that the defense is not good enough. Certainly not good enough to compete at the top level. They don't seem to have the big boys back there when it really comes to playoff time. And uh, that really is something I'm always saying. They need to get a big boy, uh, you know, someone that moves people out of the front of the net. Um, Mind you, we had Phaneuf, and he didn't manage to do that either. But anyways, I I wonder about the defense. Uh, Jody, what do you think about the Leafs' defense going into this year?
2: Yeah, I'm as passionate on this subject, Paul, as I think you are, and and, and, and probably Joe and most other Leaf fans. Uh, you know, for me, it's been a while since the Leafs have had a solid top four patrolling the blue line. Um, I believe the last time the Leafs had a decent-looking defense core, um, you know, dates back to the dates of Brian McCabe and Thomas Caberlet uh, when they patrolled the blue line, which I think was back in the 2000 to 07 or 08 time frame, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know the Leafs have tried many different combinations of players since then, but really not much has worked. Uh, the closest thing that Toronto's had to a top pair uh, ranking, in my opinion, was really Morgan Riley and Ron Hainsey in in, in what I think was 017, 018, and 019, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I'm really bullish on this year. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, what Riley can do and, you know, potentially playing. On the blue line with uh, with TJ Brody, I think the two of them will make a nice pairing and a very nice combination. And you know, when you take a look at some of the likes of the others, you've got Jack. I've um, got Jack Muzzin, you've got uh, Boghazian, if I'm pronouncing his n- name right, and I think kind of newly acquired, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Justin Hall. Um, you know, I know he. Had, I know that Hall had his ups and downs last year, but you know, you take a look at somebody like him; he may pair pair nicely with a bogazian or with a jack uh, with a jack muzzin so i i'm 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 optimistic i'm bullish going in but for me it's been disappointment there that i really haven't seen a strong defense appearing yeah you know i in years
0: yeah i and i and i struggled uh, over the summer because i was hoping they were going to make uh, a, a significant move or just to just to make a significant change because i just felt that's an area that you know you always want to be strong at and to know that a Seth Jones could have been moved, um, and he ends up in Chicago, that really bothered me because I would have loved to see him on the blue and white uh, blue line. What do you think, Joe?
3: Yeah, I I like the uh, I like the top four: Muzzin, Riley, Brody, and Hall. I think Hall. Had a good year last year. Had a breakout year last year, and and like to see him uh, come back and 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 try to do that again this year. Um, I, I think where the Leafs are going to struggle on the uh, on the defense is in their depth. Uh, I've I, I kind of soured on Dermot. I don't know whether injuries or lingering effects of injuries had an impact on him last year, but. You know, I kind of had him fall out of favor with me uh, last year. I think Sandine uh, is is going to be a good one. I think uh, if he makes a push to uh, be the number five guy and and possibly even push to break into the top four, I think that'll be a good thing. I'm happy to see Timothy Lilligren uh, on the roster. He's in the number seven spot right now. I'm happy to see him there. I think it's about time that uh, we get a good look at him. But uh, I think uh, the the, uh, uh, the danger here with the Leafs' defense is as much as I, I think I'm okay with what they've got to start the season. But if you look at what they have beyond these seven, um, you know they really don't have a lot. Uh, they've got this Alex uh, uh, Diega, um, who's a 33 year old guy who's who's got some experience. Right. They've got Carl Dahlstrom who's, who's got some experience. Uh, The one guy that caught my, my eye in the preseason, and I'd like to see a lot more of him is this, uh, this uh, young guy named uh, Brennan Manel. He's a 24 year old guy, but uh, they've got him on a minor league contract, but, but, You know, not to to lose sight of what I was saying in terms of my concern is their depth, and you know whether or not uh, Manel or any of the others can come in and and fill a gap. It's it's very very suspect and very questionable. So my concern is, you know, to just to summarize, I kind of like who they've got, but if anyone gets injured, they're in trouble.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the uh, the guys they have are 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 you know they're good, they're competent. Um, that I don't see this I'd like to have a stud back there and I just don't see it um, that's the, that's what my reference to Seth Jones um, and and a stud not necessarily just big guy but a guy that a horse a guy that can can be there healthy, you know and healthy I guess uh, Zach I'm uh, sorry Jake Muzzin is our guy that we have to maybe uh, get behind and he's that guy I guess for us um, you know Zach Boghossian uh, ended up moving on and going back to Tampa so I don't know. I, I, I guess I would agree. The depth is the issue. It'll be interesting to see how these guys fare. Uh, Brody, I, I really was skeptical last year, but you know what? I I like him. He's a good player. He's he's really serviceable back there. He he's steady. And
3: oh,
2: uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, sort interrupt, but I'm yeah. gonna bank on uh, on Muzzin becoming our team stud this year. And. Uh, You know, to your point, just to have somebody on the line that has a physical presence that the team has been lacking. Um, I know he's not really known for his offense. I think last year he managed to score some 39 or 40 points over the, you know, 80-plus game schedule. But I'm hoping that the entire team this year over the offseason has done a lot of soul-searching, has reflecting. I know Shanahan commented in the press and the media last year that, uh, you know, after losing um, the three-game in a row down to... Uh uh, uh, down to Montreal in that series that, you know, nobody nobody had the grit, nobody had the determination, nobody had the fire in their belly. I'm hoping that a guy like Buzzard will be able to stand up and become that stud, become that guy that's just going to be a force to be reckoned with on the blue lane and in front of our net.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree, Jody. I mean, he's got to be the guy. That's really what it comes down to, uh, you know. But, I mean, I, I, Weber, look at what Weber did for, for Montreal. Like, Weber just, uh, certainly the Montreal defense last year just seemed to be more punishing on the Leaf forwards uh, throughout the playoffs. And uh, so that being said, that that takes us now to the forwards. And, and, I mean, we always love talking about line combinations and all sorts of things, but let's look up front. There's a few changes happening here. Um, Joe, what do you see up front with the Leafs? Are they going to have the firepower or what?
3: Well, I mean, they've got the firepower. There's no question about it. It's, uh, I think, the top six. I mean, obviously, you've got Matthews and Marner as a pair. You've got Tavares and Nylander as a pair. And uh, it's just figuring out who's going to be the third guy on each of those lines. I think Nick Ritchie was a great pickup. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I said that before I saw him in the preseason. And I know preseason's preseason, but uh, he certainly didn't disappoint. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to try to find a, a guy to fit with uh, Tavares and Marner. But there's, there's a few choices there, and, you know, it might take a little bit of time. Um, but then it comes down to, you know, depth um, on the bottom six. And when you think about there, there's some wiggle room, not a lot of wiggle room. because, And, and what I mean by that is you've got Kerfoot, you've got Simmons, and you've got Spezza. So yeah. three of the three of the bottom six are kind of already taken taken care of. Like those those three are going to be on the roster. So so the the, the Leafs have you know really three vacant spots for that bottom six. And and I'm in favor of it. And, and regardless of who they they start with, but like this camp, he's. Uh, He's going to be their defensive centerman. And uh, so, you know, maybe there's really only two spots left. And whether it's Angevel or Bunting or this this guy they kept over Adam Brooks, uh, um, 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 Amato or Mm -hmm. Amadio. But uh, when you look at, at the depth they have down in the Marlies or the guys that were designated in the Marlies, they've got a number of guys that are waiver exempt. And I'm in favor of with those two spots and maybe you stretch it to three spots. I would just filter guys into those two or three spots and, and let let each of them just fight for spots all season long and, and, and showcase their talents. And uh, by the time the playoffs come, it should be obvious uh, who's, who's going to start in the playoffs. So top six, I'm okay with bottom six uh, I think is going to be the challenge uh, largely because three of the spots are are taken up with Kerfoot Simmons and and Spezza and and, uh, you know who's going to who's going to rise to the top and 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 uh, you know, uh, take hold of those other three or two or three spots that are available. Yeah, well and, it's gonna, know,
0: it's been—it's going to be interesting now that McKeever's gotten injured and he'll be out there saying for a bit of time. That's opened up a spot, and maybe that's going to allow maybe somebody to emerge. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm shocked that uh, this kid Nick Robertson hasn't emerged. He's been given a a lot of opportunity, and uh, don't see him penciled in. So that's pretty disappointing, I, I imagine, for him and. I, I've heard so much about this guy. The guy that I was impressed through the preseason was this guy Hosang, and I guess they signed him to a minor league deal, and maybe he'll end up back at, in the bigs. But um, I, I thought he was—he's a—he's an energy guy, uh, creative. I—I um, I liked him. I—I I would like to see him up there. Bunting is a guy that shows. That he's the, uh, you know, the guy that can be in the slot and do all that stuff. He's got the good hands. He's got all that stuff in preseason. I'm anxious to see whether he can carry that through the the the, the regular season. Um, Jody, what are your thoughts on the on the forwards?
2: My thoughts, I think, are pretty simple, and I would agree with Joe in the onset of this kind of section here. The only couple things we can count on right now is Matthews and Marner. Once Matthew gets back, Matthews and Marner will be paired up together. And I have to think that Tavares and Nylander will be paired up together. You know, the question is, is who's going to be their wingers? Um, You know, if I had to go out and, you know, kind of predict what I think would happen, what I'd like to see, I like this kid Bunting. You've just kind of hit on a number of things in terms of his grit, his tenacity. I know he's played well in the preseason. Um, I think he's got a pretty good shot rate percentage when I was looking online at some stats a couple few days ago. um, You know, it's obvious that he can score. I think he'd be a good target, um, you know, for Marner's passes. And we all know that Marner loves setting up guys like Matthews and yeah. it would be interesting to see these guys play together. Um, you know, for the second line, I'm really bullish this year on this guy, Nick Ritchie. Uh, I think he, in my mind is the best bet to play with Tavares and with D lander. He's a big guy. I think he's six two, two hundred thirty, two hundred thirty five 230, 235 pounds. He's a beast in the corners, uh, you know, which is long overdue. I don't think that we've had that on this team for a long, long time. And he loves to throw his weight around. I think in his career, he's recorded well over a thousand hits and some close to four hundred games that he's played. And you know, I think his front of the net presence on the power play, um, you know, and in regular play, I think he could be a force to be reckoned with. And when you take a look at some of the strengths that Tavares and Elander are going to bring to that line, um, you know, I think he could. I think he could really. Kind of round that out in terms of, yeah. of kind of the top six. Well, I, I think Mathers and Marnie, yeah. You got you got Richie, you got Tavares, and you got Nylander. That would be my kind of vote, my pick for for the top six.
0: I think Richie's certainly walked into a great situation for him from a career standpoint. I mean, he can't help but probably score a career, you know, more goals than he has in his career with with these lines. He's either going to end up with Tavares and Nylander or Marner and Matthews. So. Uh, both those lines should be he should be the beneficiary of some uh, some goals I would hope. So lots of lots of question marks though, and still when I look at the overall picture of the Toronto Maple Leafs, let's face it, the uh, you know you got you got a question mark still around Tavares. He's coming off of that 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 concussion. Uh, like how, you know, how is he going to be? There's question marks. Matthews is coming off the surgery from the wrist, the wrist surgery, question mark there. I mean, we're all being optimistic, saying everything's going to be fine. Um, the goaltending, we're, we're, you know what, Mrazek, is he going to be, uh, as good as they say he is? There's going to be lots of question marks, uh, going forward. Certainly on defense, again, I, like I said, they don't, I don't see the stud there and certainly they've got to stay healthy. um all right guys let's get into some predictions what's going to happen where the, the the season kicks off this week and uh we're ready to go with uh, the least ready to go what what's going to happen what are your predictions
3: you want me to go first go uh, ahead on. joe <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: well i
3: i think the Leafs are going to be hard pressed to take one of the top three spots in uh in their division i really do i see the two florida teams the panthers and the lightning, uh, being strong. Um, you never know, uh, you know, with Boston, um, you know, they're, I mean, how many years did Boston go before they ever missed the playoffs? You know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think, I think the Leafs are going to be hard pressed, uh, hard pressed to make the playoffs here. I, they're going to be a wild card. That, that's the way I see it. Unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, you're going you're gonna to have to have career years from from a lot of guys for that not to happen. Yeah. Jody, Joe, I think, you, think you just <laughs> – I was just going to say, I think you hit the nail on the head, Joe, that
2: I think guys are going to have to, you know, grow a pair, stand up, and bring their best every time they step on the ice, whether it's game one or two that are happening this week or whether it's game 82 or 83 towards the end of the season. The COVID the – COVID, um, uh, the COVID alignment in terms of the Canadian teams playing—that's over. That's yeah, done. Exactly. We're back. We're back to the Pacific, Central, Metropolitan, and Atlantic. The Leafs have their work cut out for them. There's no other way to describe it. With changes that I know that were made in Boston, they may or they may. They may or may not be as strong as in previous years. However, I think Tampa is still going to be the force to be reckoned with inside of the Atlantic Division. And if I had to, as much as I hate to say it, our neighbors right next door to us in Montreal— cheering for them, some of the youth, some of the talent that they have that I watched go through the playoff run last year. I, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see how those uh, guys um, and how that team uh, fares this year. I have to think at the end of the day, if I take a look at this purely from a management perspective, I've heard Shanahan publicly say that if they don't go deep this year, there will be some wholesale changes next year, which could include Marner, Nylander, and or uh, Austin Matthews. I have to think that perhaps the same may happen at the at the management level. If they don't go deep this year, I think changes will be made with either Dubas or Shanahan. And if I had to pick, I think that they would probably look to keep Shanahan in place, just given his experience and his tenure. But I think that there's going to be a lot riding on the leash this year, both as a players and a management team, that if they do not go deep in the playoffs this year, and they're going to have, in my opinion, their work cut out for them to do that. Again, the two Tampa teams, you've got a bit of a wild card coming up with respect to some young talent coming out of the Montreal Canadiens uh, and potentially... You know, maybe even take a look at what may or may not be happening happening up in Ottawa. They're going to have their work cut out for them to make it to the playoffs this year.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I and, I, and I'd heard that the Montreal has signed Suzuki today to a big deal, so uh, they're they're you know not getting yeah, much oh, better, oh, but oh,
3: yeah. a, a big deal a big deal is ten or eleven mil. Yeah. <laughs> so they they got him for under eight.
0: Exactly. Under
3: eight, under eight for eight years.
0: It's actually it's actually a pretty good deal when you look at what the Leafs have done over the it's, their their it's, it's a Lou it's
3: a Lou MRO deal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think the uh, you know the certainly the uh, Leafs are they're going to be in tough to, to in my view it's just to, to make the playoffs. But I would go as far as saying it's easy for the coaching staff and for Brendan Shanahan to say there's going to be wholesale changes if we don't go deep. My concern, and, that, and it's easy for them to say that because they know if they don't go deep, they're all out of jobs anyways. Uh, that's my view of it. My concern is what if they're not in the playoff picture in January, late January, and we're coming up to a trade deadline? What's going to happen then? That'll be really interesting to see. What kind of moves can be done to shake things up so that the Leafs don't fail to miss, you know, uh, to miss the playoffs? But uh, why don't we do this, gentlemen? We're going to... Uh, we've all given our, our, our viewpoints and our opinions about what's happening in 2021-22 season, and uh, we're kicking things off this week. Let's plan to maybe at uh, the end of the December run uh, to maybe get back together again, and then we'll do another uh, overview of where the Leafs are at, and we'll just see how our thoughts uh, tra- and, you know, transpired over, uh, over that period of time. What are your thoughts?
2: Sounds good. Sounds good
0: to me. All right. Well, I really appreciate you guys joining me on the call today. Uh, Let's see how the Leafs do. Uh, Go Leafs go, and uh, let's hope that uh, you know we're we're going to be pleasantly surprised this year. (laughs) I say that every year, but here Uh, we go. Go and we should. Yeah, and we
3: should go out. We should go out with the hockey song,
0: Paul. All right, let's do that. Okay, that sounds good.
3: Thanks, Jody. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Thanks Jake. Appreciate your time.
0: All right, Thanks. guys, take Bye. care.
3: We'll talk soon. Jump and the Bye. players bump and the fans all
4: go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period.